With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey guys, what's going on? Sorry about that. Hey guys, what's going on? This is Cam Underwood joining you again for another edition of the State of the U podcast here on Blog Talk Radio. Today we're going to switch it up uh, from recapping what's going on uh, week to week, and we're going to look our, our shift our focus to recruiting. And joining me today to talk about recruiting is uh, a great friend of mine. He's a good guy who knows a whole lot about recruiting, and he can share a lot with us today. Coming to us from KanesInsight.com, Peter Ayers. Pete, how are you doing today? How you doing, Cam? Appreciate you having me on. No, nah, man, as soon as, uh, you know, I got control or uh, figured out how to work this blog talk radio thing, I figured we could talk some recruiting. Uh, so we're going to be here for an hour up until 7 o'clock. I already put it up on Twitter, so hopefully some people are going to listen to us live and also catch us on the podcast. Um, but, you know, we have a little bit uh, and a whole lot to talk about, so let's jump right in. Um, first of all, if you want to call in to ask a question for me or Pete, you can call us in at 347-857-3419 or catch us on the podcast and leave a uh, comment on the uh, the post that will be up on State of the U later. So that's your information. We're going to keep it moving. Um, let's look backwards a little bit to the class of 2014. Um, we had, you know, 26 guys, 27 if you count um, yesterday's guy. So let's start there. Joe Brown out of California uh, played deep tackle um, and he's coming in here to the U. What do you think about that pickup? Yeah, I know. You know, obviously he's a guy that, that, that we really don't know too much about. Um, it's really, in my eyes, uh, I'm not going to say a desperation pickup, but I'm not a huge fan of the get. Uh, just because, you know, I, I think we've seen this this story a couple times over with this staff. Uh, Corey King comes to mind. Um, you know, I think their thinking is let's take a chance on a kid um, at a position of need. I mean, it's, it, it feels like defensive tackle is the eternal position of need. But I think their thinking is, you know, well, let's take a chance on him. If he doesn't work out, um, then he won't be here in a year or two. Just look at what happened with Junior Alexis. Um, but, you know, big kid. Uh, hope, I'm hoping that, that it was really a case, like his coach said, uh, of qualification uh, issues. That's why, you know, other schools weren't uh, necessarily not beating the door down for him. But generally, if a kid's talented enough, no matter what the qualification uh, no matter what his grades are looking like and his scores, uh, schools will be, you know, calling him at least uh, looking into uh, that that particular prospect. So, I mean, again, I, I don't know a whole lot about him as a prospect, but just looking from the surface, um, that's what I see. Uh, a position in need, take a chance on a kid, it doesn't work out, you know what, you revisit the situation, and if the kid's not happy here in a year, year and a half, then he's not here. But you know what? You always hope for the best, and maybe maybe they get a gem out of it. Okay. Well, that's uh, 
kind of par for the course of what the uh, conversation I saw on Twitter was. Uh, and a late update I saw today that um, we're actually probably going to put him at offensive, offensive line, not even D-tackle, uh, which was what he played all throughout high school. So, you know, we lose O'Reilly Gibbons at the 11th hour. Maybe this guy comes in and can play on the offensive line and helps upgrade there. So that could be uh, that could be something positive, true. Um, yeah, you know, I, I guess. Uh, just just to add to, to that point, just to add to that point for a second, I, I didn't see that that last update that he was going to play offensive line, but I, I do know that that Miami was kind of looking for someone at the end there to bring in as, as an offensive lineman, um, not a hundred percent based on just losing Gibbons. Even with Gibbons, they were kind of searching around for for one more kid to bring in, so that that makes more sense now. Okay. Um. So you touched on grades with Joe Brown, which is what his uh, his coach was saying. So that leads me to a natural follow-up, even though I wasn't going to go there. Treyon Gray, they call the kid chocolate from Carroll City High School, played quarterback, wide receiver, running back, um, pretty much all over the field, a dynamic player. Uh, if he can make it to campus, that would be a huge, uh, huge addition for the Canes. But there goes that tricky if word. What are the chances that he actually makes it? It would take a, a minor miracle at this point. You know, uh, Miami's not optimistic. They're not uh, necessarily. Well, I know for a fact that they're not. They're not expecting him in the class. They're not counting him. You know, as, as a guy who's going to be here in in the summer, early summer. Uh, and then, as far as from from his side of things, you know, people I talk to around close to him and and you know, familiar with the, his situation at Carroll City, basically have told me that. It was one of those things where where it was just a little too late for him. You know, he he started to pick it up over the past few months, but at a certain point, um, you know, a transcript you can only help it so much in the last semester uh, of your of your high school career. Um, this was something that you know a lot of people kind of knew about heading into the summer. Even um, you know there were, there were some reports surfacing back when he committed. Um, and he was denying those those reports as as you know any kid would, um, but it it just didn't seem like he was able to get it together in time. Um, he's he's definitely a kid who 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 really does love Miami though, um, and I I'm pretty sure just based on talking to him and Miami believes that he will go prep or JUCO um, and. Miami would still be the team to beat. You know, obviously, it's a whole new recruitment once a kid hits the next level, but uh, I believe Miami would be in good shape to, to, you know, keep him on board, which would be huge. I mean, this is something that, that not too many people know, but Miami actually wanted him as a running back. Um, you know, there was a lot of talk about him as a receiver and, and Anquan Bolden uh like mold, you know, similar body types. Um, some people mentioned safety, but then when, uh, you know, Hester committed, Gaio committed near the end, I think that kind of took that question off the board. Um, but running back is actually where um, I've heard Miami likes him. And he would really be, I mean, he would have been a huge, huge get this year's class uh, if he were able to qualify just because he would bring that different type of back that, I think they're really looking for. 
Um, and, and you can see the way he moves the ball in his hands, the way he runs. He does a little upright, but he has the build of a big-time running back. And then, you know, hopefully for him and any fans, he can get it together. Um, like I said, I, it looks like he has realized that over the last few months that um, he really needed to get himself, you know, focused, and hopefully that continues over the next year or so, however long it takes, and he's able to get back on track because he's way too tough. You know, it's, it's a story we see every single year, you know, multiple times a year with kids. Um, he's just so talented that you hope it doesn't go to waste, and, you know, from what I've heard, it, he'll be able to get it back on track. That's uh, good to hear. A lot of interesting things. Uh, yeah, the co- the comparison I heard for him at running back was a Darren McFadden, who's also you know a six two and a half, two ten running back. So physically, uh, that same kind of mold. So that lets you know the kind of talent that he has. Uh, and yeah, it'd be great to see him come in. Um, but he's not right. Well, he may, but he's scheduled to because he's signed. But let's talk about some of the other guys who are signed to come in. Um, just real quick, who are your top two stars? in this class. Maybe not right away, but when it's all said and done, we're going to look back at this class. These are the top two guys we just brought in. Oh, man. Put me on the spot right away, huh? I'll go with... Uh, I mean, these these are really, I think, no-brainers, uh, but I'll go Kaya and, and Chad Thomas. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, Chad okay. Thomas... Chad Thomas is really in my opinion, a can't-miss prospect. Uh, he has everything you look for as far as not only physical ability, his, his upside's off the charts, but uh, he puts in the work. He is extremely focused. Um, you know, he doesn't he doesn't mess around. He's, he's a good kid. Um, and then with Kaya, uh, you know, a quarterback, you never know, but he has the makeup of a guy who can take Miami back to where the fans have, you know, longed for the days they've longed for. I mean, I've talked to, I've been, I've been talking to kids, interviewing kids for about three, four years now. Um, and you know, a lot of kids can talk the talk and with, with Kai, I get the sense that, you know, truly, truly, believes in what he in what he's saying you know a lot of kids say oh yeah i'm gonna go win a championship here i'm gonna go work hard i just feel something different with kaya it's just something about the way he talks it, it's little things with him like for example um and i may be going a little off topic here but uh for example he went to the national championship game uh he's from obviously los angeles and the game was out there uh the rose bowl uh, between Auburn and Florida State, and, and, and he told me, you know, I wanted to come to this game just to visualize this moment uh, and, and kind of put myself in this spot where two, three years from now, you know, I've kind of, you know, obviously I haven't played in the game, but I, I've been there before. I've I've seen what it's like. I felt the atmosphere. And to me, it's, it's things like that that kind of just really stand out to me that I, that I think a special quarterback really needs. And you know, a guy. I know you asked for two, but a guy that I think probably has, and a lot of people would call me crazy on this one, the highest potential out of anyone in this class is Demetrius Jackson. I mean, we. Well, yeah, that's 
that's going ahead uh, to the next thing. But, yeah, go ahead. Talk about Demetrius and what do you see in him that makes him stand out to you. Well, I'm to jump ahead there. Is what, every time someone asks me top five guys in the class, I mean, he's always a guy that I put right up there. Just because, I mean, everyone always talks about him obviously being a basketball player, transitioning to the football field. But to me, the how quickly his progression went, uh, you know, a lot of times you'll see flashes of that ability on the football field for a kid that just started playing football. But it was consistent with him. I mean, every game he missed he missed about I believe three or four games with an ankle injury. So the games obviously his stats he still had like I don't know if it was eleven, twelve sacks this year. But I mean I went to I went to three or four Booker T games every game. I mean he made it a central game. He made the, the biggest plays when the game was on the line. I mean, he has everything physically. He has a 35, 36-inch vertical, long arms, 6'4", and he's starting to look like a football player. You know, when I first saw him back, uh, I'd say early summertime, I'd say, I'd say first week of June was when I first saw him up close. I mean, you could tell the kid had the frame to put weight on, but he was still skinny, as, as expected for a kid who had never played varsity football. And, you know, I, I went to go see him actually play basketball uh, two weeks ago, I believe it was, when Booker T was playing Ransom in a, in a playoff game, and he looks like a football player playing basketball now, where before he was a basketball player playing football. Um, he has a great, you know, base. His, his lower half is, you can tell, Still a lot of a lot of room to add on to, but he looks like a physical guy. He doesn't look like one of those lanky, just long arm kids. So the progression is what I what I what I've seen. I think he hasn't even hit a college weight room. He's I mean it's it's frightening what 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 he could be in in two three years. Okay, so that's Chad Jack. Oh, sorry, Chad Thomas and Demetrius Jackson. Both defensive uh, ends from Booker T. Washington and Brad Kaya as your top three guys uh, since you wanted to extend it out, but that's perfectly fine. Uh, I love the fact that we have a class where, you know, you can't just keep it to two guys when you're talking about the top. Um, if you had to say one guy, okay, and we're going to take Chad Thomas out of the equation because we've talked about him already. Um, mm-hmm. One guy who you think is going to come in immediately, day one when he gets here in May or in June, whenever it is, day one, he's challenging the starters for position right now this year. Who's that guy? Hmm. I would go with – I'd go with McDermott. Um, you know, he's a kid that's – it's well documented that he's uh, – Technically, as, as sound as you can get coming into him, mean, he's already here. Do you want me to pick someone who hasn't gone on campus yet? No, that that works. Casey McDermott from Palm Beach Central. For those who are, you know, not maybe as inundated in the recruiting scene uh, as you or I, so you were saying that he's probably one guy who's going to challenge for a starting position right away. Yeah, and you know, and and, and just just obviously because of of Malcolm Bunch transferring, I thought McDermott was going to play as a rotational guy right away. He, you know, if if Bunch stayed or not, you know, but now that Bunch is gone, I think that's really opened the door for him. I know that I know that Miami coaches really, really have high hopes for Taylor Gadbois. Um, so it's going to be up to him to seize that, you know, opportunity. 
but McDermott's a kid that has his head on straight. He's not – he's a freshman, but his – you know, he obviously has his older brother there. He's seen how it works, a very mature kid. Um, so I, I think it might take uh, a couple weeks for him to get adjusted to the speed of, of the college game, as, it, as, as is the case with anyone, really. But he should be a guy that plays a lot, a lot, a lot this year. Um, so that's, yeah, that's my answer for that one. Okay, good. Um, we're going to flip it up a little bit. We're going to go off with the script, you know, that I put together. We have a caller on hold. Crane wants to come in and ask a question, so we're going to unmute him there as soon as that goes through. All right, caller, you're on right now uh, with me, Cam and Pete. What's your question? Hello. I don't know if that didn't work or whatever, but maybe we'll uh, try to get back uh, with that later. So that was a lot about 2014, the class that has been signed uh, already to campus, uh, to the U, and people say that this is the best class that Al Golden's brought in yet, and I really believe that to be true. Um, and we're going to look ahead now to a class that, you know, 2014 was – another foundational kind of class, maybe 2015 is an elevational kind of class where we have supreme talent coming in to try to help and build this program even further. Um, we're going to just get started with the easy question. Where are we right now in the 2015 uh, cycle? Uh, I mean, you're really at a stage now where, as you've seen, Miami's put out a ton of offers. It seems like they've put out, you know, even more than they have in years past. I think that's in part to kind of some of the backlash they've received uh, over the past couple of years from kids who, you know, kind of wished Miami would have gotten on them earlier. I think part of it's because of that. And part of it's just because, I mean, this is a, a loaded class. 2014 was loaded, stacks up right with it. Um, you know, obviously Miami has uh, – five commits right now in the 2015 class. None of them right now are huge, I wouldn't say huge, huge names, uh, just because uh, it's still so early in the process. Now in camps, the camp season is really get, getting us uh, going right now, seven-on-seven seven circuit. Um, and I think a couple of those guys, uh, Imani Spence is a kid that has already been offered by Auburn recently, uh, put up pretty good numbers of the Spark Combine, good size, He's he's a kid that I think will will make a big jump in whenever the next rankings come out. Uh, Leeward Brown, uh, I think I think you know a thing or two about him, but he's a <laughs> Miami loves a road grader type. He's a mauler, um, and Charles Perry, a linebacker, is another kid that that I think could take a, a big jump. Fines and, and Feeder, the two linemen. Uh, you know, it's it's so tough with linemen really to. To, you know, I said Leeward Brown just because I've seen him a few times uh, up close. And I know what he's capable of. Uh, Feeder I actually saw at camp, Miami camp, huge kid. Um, I mean, huge, six nine, legitimately six nine. As and this was him heading into his junior year. He was still technically a sophomore at the time. So that's pretty exciting as far as size standpoint. Um, Fines, a kid that comes from, you know. Manatee is a school that produces a top lineman every year, so that has to be a pretty good sign. But uh, like I said, with 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 those two, I'm gonna wait to say they're gonna make a huge jump just because I haven't seen enough of them. Um, okay. 
But, you know, going back to the original question of, of where we are, you know, Miami feels, right now Miami feels good about about a lot of things. You know, it's so early in the process, you can say every school feels good, but um, just the vibe around 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 you know, what's going on inside there. Uh, a lot of positive momentum right now. I, I tweeted that out the other day. It's kind of it's kind of a vague thing to say, but, you know, there's really not one kid right now they're going after hard that they don't feel like they have a legitimate shot with. Um so things are looking things are looking up now. Once the season begins and, you know, things go downhill or uphill, however you want to look at it. I mean, then that's when the recruiting season really starts. Uh, but as of now, I mean, Miami has Miami has kept a lot of people happy down here, um, and there isn't there isn't as much drama as there has been in years past at this point. In my opinion, just from observing. Well, you know, the, the lack of a drama is a good thing, and you know, being uh, in a positive space uh, where if you feel that you have a legitimate chance, I don't want uh, people to jump to a conclusion which is saying, oh, my God, Pete said that we're going to get everybody. No, he didn't say that. Um, but it's not like you're being shut down as soon as you go to talk to somebody. So, you know, being in it so you can continue to recruit them, uh, you know, that's definitely in that positive. Uh, and at this early stage, we're still 300 and, I don't know, when, when was National Signing Day? Three weeks ago? So you're 340, 330 days away from National Signing Day. Lots of time with the 2015 class, but we're not fighting an uphill battle, as it were. So that's a, a positive. So we know that we bring in these kids for these junior days and these events we've already seen, uh, you know, for the basketball games when Emily Spence, uh, he committed, and in the last basketball game when Fines and Leeward Brown, they both committed. When is the next, or sorry, First of all, what is a junior day? What exactly happens when you get those guys on campus? Well, yeah, basically, um, uh, they take the kids around. The coaches take the kids around campus. It's usually centered around a basketball game just so they can give them, you know, a vibe with the fans. Uh, The coaches bring kids individually or in groups. For example, when I say in groups, uh, I know that that Coach Golden brought in Jordan Cronkite, Tim Irvin, and – Jaquan Johnson all in together at one point. Um, but really they have kind of personal conversations with the kids, face-to-face meetings. Uh, it, it, it's really a more personal experience than, you know, any any coach around the country can call a kid up and tell them, look, we really want you, uh, this is what we're going to do with you, all that. But on a junior day, you know, James Coley can sit face-to-face with Torrance Gibson, show him, show him the playbook and say, all right, this is how we're going to use you going to roll you out, we're going to use you in these type of formations, you know, this, that, and and I think that really makes a bigger impact on kids than, you know, people think. Uh, you know, a lot of times people dismiss a junior day just because it seems like Miami has had so many of them, uh, and, and every year it seems like uh, it, it's something that people talk about kind of as a given, like, oh, if they don't, if they go to a junior day, oh, we've gotten so many, uh, early commitments, why are we even going to look at that? Um, but it's a huge part of the process uh, as far as building relationships early on 
uh, to be able to sustain later in the process. Um, and for a kid like, like Gibson, who I just mentioned, obviously that was a slight drama about a month ago about him saying that Miami is not, was not showing enough attention, but, you know, Miami has definitely ratcheted up that pressure on him. I won't say pressure, but they've, they've totally made known to him that he is a top, top priority for them. Uh, so little, I mean, little things like that, uh, you know, Jordan Cronkite, another example here is that, you know, obviously there was some confusion about why he wasn't offered uh, you know, earlier than he was. But the coaches were being with him face-to-face, with him and his family. They explained everything, laid everything out for them. And Cronkite has no issues with it now. And, you know, his family completely understands why, you know, there was a minor holdup. And the coaches were able to show it to them, lay everything out for them. And uh, it, it, the junior days are very important. That's that's the bottom line. Well, okay. And I guess we uh, got a little bit of a, a look inside what a junior day is. Again, here uh State of the U podcast, Cam Underwood is your host. Pete Ayers from com is uh, a great recruiting writer, and he's my guest here today, and we're going to keep the conversation moving. So um, what is the next? major event. Is there another junior day coming up? Are we just going to wait until the Al Golden football camps? What's going to be the next step on the road uh, in the 2015 recruiting cycle? Well, yeah, there's a junior day on Sunday, actually, uh, so that'll be something to look out for. Uh, there's always a there's always a potential for a commitment there. I don't have I don't have a name for you right now, but I don't think many could have predicted that Ryan Fines would have been committed to Miami. Uh, last week before he did. So Sunday is junior day. Um, Saturday, this isn't necessarily Miami-related, but there's a seven-on-seven, an arrow seven-on-seven. I think I believe it's an IMG qualifier. Uh, that's at MacArthur High School. Uh, so, you know, all those, all the big-time seven-on-seven teams will be out there. The Express, the Fire, Strong Arm, as far as, you know, those are the South Florida teams that, that I'm naming there. Uh, but that's always, uh, as you know, set on sevens become a huge part of the, the process, and it's always a time where, um, you know, kids will wear a certain school's hat or shirt, and it blows up Twitter and everything else. So that's always something to watch out for. Um, and then... You know, after after the seven on seven circuit, which is for the next couple months, uh, then yeah, I mean you're really starting to focus on the, the our goal in camps, but that's not until May. And the interesting thing about that is, a lot of times the Miami coaches are really starting to set up those invites or whatever you want to call them now, because you know you look at a lot of the kids that they've picked up over the past couple of years through those camps. For example, a kid like Jawan Young, out-of-state kid, they're having to set up those visits now, you know, just so a kid doesn't plan another uh, visit um, for that same weekend that they want them to come in. Because a lot of times Miami coaches will strategically set it up where they'll have two players at the same position that they're considering offering come in on the same camp so they can get, you know, head-to-head look at them. Um, so, I mean, little things like that. It's the nonstop grind of a, of a big-time college coach. Uh, so, I mean, that's that's pretty much where we're at for the next couple months. 
Okay. Um, yeah, really good stuff. Uh, the seven-on-seven circuit, uh, that is off-season passing shell. Um, for those who don't know, uh, here in Florida and around the country, football, high school football is starting to be in around the, the calendar kind of a thing if it has not already been. Uh, and those teams that Pete mentioned, the South Florida Express, South Florida Fire, the reigning champions of last weekend's uh, tournament, I would be remiss if I did not say that, and also Strong Arm, who made it to the semifinals, all those are local all-star teams. So you have uh, different guys from different schools put together. So, for example, on uh, South Florida Express, you have a Torrance Gibson and a Tyree Cole uh, on the same team. On South Florida Fire, you have Sean Burgess-Becker and Jovan Durante on the same team. And they don't play the same high school together, uh, but they're all elite talents. And, you know, you have those right in your backyard uh, down here and those great teams. So, obviously, I'm sure that uh, within reason of the NCAA rules, uh, Miami will be trying to make some kind of connection to those tournaments because they're great. Um, all right. So, now uh, we have a few questions. I was asking for these on Twitter. Uh, and for those who do not know, I'm at Underwood Sports. You can also follow us at the State of the U or Peter Ayers at Peter Ayers, all one word, A-R-I-Z is his last name. Uh, so we are sending in questions or ask for questions for this uh, podcast or show. Uh, so we're hitting the halfway point right here at about 6.30 as we record live. So uh, we're going to move on to uh, the questions part, and then we'll see if we can work in, uh, hit everybody's questions. And the first thing, you touched on it already a little bit, but it bears repeating, and I'm going to have a follow-up question for you, so I just want you to be prepared for that. Uh, Lawrence Gibson, six foot four, two hundred and seven pound uh, quarterback athlete uh, from American Heritage High School, rated the number one prospect on pretty much everybody's board. Um, I'm going to sound like Martin from you know Martin. What's up? Well, Miami's definitely in a picture. Uh, you 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 asked me that question maybe like I said a month ago and. I might not have had the same answer, but uh, I can say that 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 he's a top top priority, and I and I mean that in like every sense of the word. Uh, Coach Coley so let me, was let me, all. Let me cut you off then. So top top priority. We're talking about if you are on NCAA 14 on your PS3, PS4, Xbox One, and you're ranking the recruits, it's Torrance Gibson number one, and then a break, and then everybody else. Uh, I'd put Calvin really right there with him, but yes. Okay. Technically speaking, um, it's it's Ridley and, and Gibson. All right. So yeah, I cut you off. You were talking about that. So he's a top top priority. Continue to tell me more. Is there more to tell? What should we be thinking? What should we be feeling? What have you been hearing? Uh, well, just from talking to people, talking to to one of my American Heritage sources yesterday, uh, you know, everyone's talking about Ohio State at the school to to beat here, uh, other than obviously Miami being a big part of it. But my source of as Auburn should be someone should be a team to be taken very, very seriously here. Um obviously okay. Auburn, you know, with with uh with Gus Malzon, um he's pretty much the guru of these spread quarterbacks, uh as we've seen uh, he's a guy who can, you know, shape uh, his system around the quarterback. It, it's not, it's not that uh, the quarterback has to fit perfectly into his. You know, you see how he took Sean White this year, 
and he's obviously not a guy who's uh, a, a run-first quarterback per se, but Auburn's definitely a school to watch out there. Miami is, you know, like I said, right there. Ohio State, I, so yeah, I'd say, I'd say that's the top three are, are Auburn, Ohio State, Miami. I don't know what the order is, but um, those three are going to be contender. Now, I mentioned this, I'd say, a couple weeks ago on, on Kane's Insight. Uh, Georgia is a school to also watch out for here uh, just because uh, he's very close to Sony Michelle and Isaiah McKenzie. Um, but, again, you know, back to the original point of, of Miami being in it, Coley absolutely loves him. There's no doubt about that. Um, I know you're someone who has uh, been vocal about wanting him as, as a receiver, and, you know, I don't disagree with you 100%, but he wants to play quarterback, and Miami is recruiting him as such um, very, very strongly. Well, that was actually my follow-up question. So, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I have been vocal about it, and uh, I know that he has the talent because he is six foot four, 200 pounds, and he is smooth as an athlete. Uh, I, I just don't know. Actually, I'm not even going to equivocate. I don't see enough from him on a short and intermediate accuracy to leave him at quarterback. I think, looking at him at wide receiver, he's Calvin Johnson. He is a beast. Um, I mean, he's just a beast. Uh, and if you put him there, I think he's the number one player in America, and it's not even a question. Um, and he might already be the number one player as an athlete based upon you know his athleticism, uh, to steal that from Matthew Johnson. But, I mean, yeah, great player. Don't get it wrong. Um, personal preference, after having seen him, I put him at uh, wide receiver, but you know, you have to recruit a kid of that caliber uh, at the position he wants to play. Yeah, and, and just to add to that uh, really quickly, it's it's not, I mean, the accuracy is, is obviously something he needs to improve upon, but to me, the biggest question mark with him at receiver, and, and don't get me wrong, I'd, I'd take him as a quarter, I mean, not as a receiver, as a quarterback, and I, don't get me wrong, I'd take him as a quarterback. And from when I've seen him live play, I've seen him, I saw him last year twice. Uh, in, in game action, uh, actually live at the game, not watching, not watching on TV or on a computer. Um, he he's someone that you can tell is new to the position. He his I don't I don't know if his mind's at the quarterback position position just yet. Now I don't know if it's just because that was his first year starting, but I I think he needs to be able to make the reads quicker than he does. Uh, sometimes holds on to the ball a little too long. You know, basic basic things that an athlete and quarterback does. But, like you mentioned, you have to recruit the kid at what he wants to play. And the the thing about it is he can play quarterback at a very, very, very high level. Now, is that necessarily his potential position? I mean, he could go to the college level and, I mean, it, it, it's, it's as crazy as this. I mean, he'd go to college level play in a system that probably tailors to his abilities as a quarterback, win a Heisman as a quarterback, and you can sit there and say he's probably still a better receiver. I mean, that's how talented he is. Um, but, you know, we've heard the we've heard the same rhetoric over and over with with kids from, from this area for a few years now, just looking at two examples of Teddy Bridgewater and 
uh, Rakeem Cato is another kid that a lot of people say, oh, he's, he's not a quarterback, he's an athlete, he's too small for quarterback, and look how that's turned out. So uh, I'm a believer yeah. in quarterback, for sure. I True. My counterpoint and the last thing the, uh, on this point is both Bridgewater and Cato were much better technicians at the high school level as as throwers than Torrance Gibson is right now. I'm not saying he can't get there with more development this year, but, um, yeah, the way that they played in high school leads me to think that that's not a 100% great comparison. But, you know, we're on the same page. We're on the same page. I mean, like I said, a receiver, I don't think there's a doubt he'd be number one player in the country as if, if he was fully devoted to wanting to play receiver. But, right. He's he's still a five star as, as an athlete. You know he can pretty right. much make the decision as to what position he wants to play because he's that talented. True, and you know getting someone with that kind of talent uh, would be great. And another talented player that a lot of people are asking about, even as I'm checking Twitter live as we go right now. I actually moved this question up. Um, they call this kid the franchise. His name is Jaquan Johnson from Miami Killian. He's a junior, just like all the kids in the 2015 recruiting class uh, prospects, but he's a three-time All-Dade County first-team performer, which you do not do uh, or find very often. So as a ninth grader, he stepped right in and was first-team All-Dade County. Talk to me a little bit about Jaquan. Talk to me about what he could mean in this class, and where do you see him fitting in? I mean, he would mean everything to this class. The coaches are hoping so badly that, uh, you know, he commits earlier rather than later just because he would really get the ball rolling. Uh, first of all, you know, going back to your point about him being a three-time all-day kid, I mean, I've seen this kid since freshman year, and he's 100% legit. It's not just hype. Um, he makes the team, it sounds so cliche, but he makes everybody around him a better player somehow. You know, I saw him play against, Against South Dade this year, Killian Killian was an outmatched team. You know, South Dade obviously went on to win the state title. Killian won the game, uh, the regular season game, and and a lot of that was because of Jaquan Johnson. You know, he just he just carried them really, and, and that's what he's done his three years. Uh, he's he's such a great leader, and you can tell the guys really gravitate around him. Uh, this is a comparison that uh, a lot of people have made over the past couple months. But he would be like the Duke Johnson to this class in the sense that he would bring a lot of kids to Miami with him just because of the, the aura surrounding him. And he, you know, he's not a kid that will necessarily, and I think that's that was a misconception with Duke, that Duke was out there, you know, getting in everyone's ear, you know, calling kids up 24-7. That's not how it worked with Duke, and I think that's the same way that it's going to work with Jaquan. Is that he just has such a great reputation since his optimist days that people, okay. kids, just kind of gravitate uh, towards him, and they say, you know what, if he wants to go there, then that's probably somewhere to look. And Miami's looking very, very, very good with him. You know, at, at this point, I, you hate to throw out words like this so early in the process, but I'd be, I'd be shocked if he. Uh, end up at Miami uh, when it's when it's over. Um, he's just he's a stud, though. I mean, absolute absolute monster. He's a ball hawk. He's always around the football. Uh, people kind of have uh, 
this idea of him as, as kind of a LaMarcus Joyner type, which I don't necessarily agree with because I think Joyner was more of a, a quick twitch guy than than, than Johnson. Uh, Johnson is not going to, you know, wow you with his with his numbers in the uh, in the forty time or or anything like that. But he's just, I mean, the kid is the kid's everywhere. Great, great hitter. He he's a, and he just makes plays. That's bottom line. That, that's it. I mean, you you watch him play. You you go to a Killian game, and you will go away satisfied with what you saw from him. Uh, he's, uh, I'm almost just talking about him just because. I've seen him, I'd say, 10 times now live, and the kid is as good as I've seen. Wow, that's uh, that's high praise because, you know, you, you go around to a lot of the games and you're already saying, seeing a lot of these kids, and, you know, um, you can just hear it, uh, even from you when I asked you about Jaquan Johnson. So, you know, for those who are listening to the show or the podcast, think about how, with the reverence that Pete is talking about him, think about his peer group you know, 7, 16, 17, 18-year-old kids, um, and if you can make grown guys, you know, who, you know, cover this at, you know, some level, talk about him reverentially like that, other kids have to look up to him. Uh, and to a man from everybody and all the kids that I talk to, all the uh, players I talk to, they say the same kind of thing. He's just a special person uh, in addition to being a great player. Um, and as Pete said, uh, it looks as though, you know, Miami's way in front and, you know, he would be shocked if uh, Jaquan is not a hurricane in the end. So hopefully, you know, that ends up coming true and some of those other guys um, follow him to the U. And just quickly, um, can you name a couple of the guys who look up to him that we're looking at maybe who uh, would follow him? Um, this is, it's, it's, I wouldn't say that, that these kids would necessarily follow him. I'm, you know, they wouldn't. I'm not saying they'd go to Miami just because he's there. But uh, you know, Jordan Cronkite's a kid that that he's he's played with growing up. Growing up, they've known each okay. other. You know, Miami's in, in good shape with Cronkite. That would definitely help. Tim Irvin's the the big name that everyone talks about uh, because those two are those two are you know the word package deal gets thrown around all the time in recruiting now. But those two really, really want to play together at the next level. Um, so that bodes well for Miami's chances. Uh, Devin Air Clarington is a kid that I'm not, to tell you the truth, I'm not 100% sure if he's a guy that would be able to commit to Miami right now just because there are some questions about him uh, from a physicality standpoint, whether or not he wants it enough. Uh, okay. You know, but that's another kid that it would affect. So that's, I mean, that's four kids right there, including Johnson. Four big time kids right there. Yeah. And that's not and, and and I mean you get those four big time kids and the perception, I mean, right there, that's four four star kids. You know, right off the bat right there. And that's mm-hmm. um it just looks so much better for a program when you can get those kids on board early and those are high character kids as well. You know, Jaquan John's high character kid, Jordan Cronkite very high character kid from a great family. Irvin, you know, great kid. So and they've all that's the thing, they've all grown up with each other each other, same optimist program from down south. All I mean, when I say all all I meant four. Right. It, it would just be huge. Uh I 
I know is has a has a relationship with with Jaquan Johnson, uh, and I think that's looking good there. I mean, you'd have you'd have some more intel on that than me, but I know Miami feels good about Cole right now, uh, even though he's committed to Florida State. It it, it would just be huge, huge, huge. So. Uh, like I said, Miami's Miami's really, really hoping that they can get on board early. Uh, and I would, I'm not going to say, be, say I'm, I'd be surprised if he's not committed soon, but more likely than not, I'd say by summertime he'd be committed to Miami. Okay. Um, well, you know, that is a definite positive to get somebody of that caliber, excuse me, um, on to uh, being a commit. Uh, and then, like you said, rolling forward the momentum. Uh, and for everybody who remembers last summer, the Al Golden football camps, um, I couldn't write fast enough um, the the welcome to the U posts on the state of the U because every day it was two and three and four. You know, just they they started rolling and the momentum couldn't be stopped. So you know, you bring in some kids uh, of the caliber that we've been talking about: it's Tim Irvin, Jordan Cronkite, Devin Air Clarington, uh, Jaquan Johnson, Pete even threw out. Tyree Cole, All-American cornerback from Miramar High School, following in the footsteps of Tracy Howard at that same school. You get some of those guys, or all of those guys, potentially, maybe not saying it's going to happen, but it could. Uh, you can do something like that. And obviously the, the perception of the success for the 2015 recruiting class changes. Um, now, I, I, we kind of touched on it in the last question, talking about Jaquan Johnson and some of the guys who – uh, might want to play with him in college. I'm not saying that they would go only because of him. I worded that improperly. I apologize. But you all know what I was talking about, so I don't really need to belabor that point anymore. So going uh, from south to north and talking about another deal that's been pretty much etched in stone as, as a package deal, uh, Sean Burgess Becker, a four-star athlete, plays both wide receiver and safety, and his friend and teammate, Calvin Ridley, five-star wide receiver, both from Monarch High School up in Coconut Creek. Talk to me a little bit about them and where they stand uh, in their recruitment process and uh, where Miami stands with both of them. Yeah, you know, there was that whole drama a few weeks ago about them supposed to be committing, uh, and that never, you know, obviously went on, but Miami, if if they would have gone through those commitments that day, it would have been Miami. I don't think that was much of a that would have been much of a surprise to anyone. Um, you know, they it looks like they're going to wait it out a little bit now and kind of let the process play itself out. But uh, Miami still feels like they're in good shape with both of them. Uh, you know, I, I know a lot of Canes fans were kind of freaking out when they didn't pull the trigger that day, um, but I will say that. That they have, they have good guidance there. When I when I say good guidance, I mean you know they both have good, uh, they have a, a family support system there who's helping them through the process. And uh, I, you know, it's, it's, you can't predict anything in recruiting now. But my belief is that they're not going to be kids who play the game, commit, decommit, recommit. Um, so I think they're just kind of waited out for a little bit. Because you know they they see every school in the country is after them now, um, and I think they look at it as it wouldn't be a smart decision for them to commit right now unless they were one hundred thousand percent sure that that's where they're going to sign. You know they have offers from every school in the country, so uh, they just decided to you know take a step back and 
like I said, kind of be more patient with it. But Miami's has put themselves in in, in good position. Um, like like you said earlier, um, it's no there are no guarantees this early. But Miami doesn't have any major ground to make up with him, with with them, you know, heading into you know really these next these next few months are when you know kids start coming out with top fives, top threes, leaders, and and heading into that stage of recruiting, Miami has definitely put themselves in, in position to be a top two school at least for these kids well that's uh, a really great position to be in and I saw both of them uh, when Miramar played Monarch in the first round of the playoffs and I knew about Sean Burgess Becker because going into this past season he was the one who had all of the uh, the accolades and everyone was talking about him Uh, but while the game was going on I'm saying to myself and those around me who is this number eight kid because all he did was make plays and number eight of Monarch being Calvin Ridley. Uh, and they put him in the slot at tight end, at wide receiver, running back, fullback, even in the wildcat a couple times, uh, and he just made plays. So that would be, you know, obviously another elite playmaker um, who could play on the offensive side of the ball to help out um, whoever is the quarterback going into the 2015 season and beyond for the Hurricanes. So maybe they're in a great position with them. Um, just a quick list this time. Five, your top five players to get in this class. Go. Put him on the spot again, huh? Are you talking? Are you talking just from a talent standpoint, or uh, or what? Yes. Yeah, I mean, like, okay. if, if our class was only five guys and that you could choose, which five guys do you get? Okay, I'd go Gibson, Ridley. Jaquan Johnson is three right there. Um, he's next to it's tough. If there were any, if there were any elite defensive linemen down here, I'd say one of those guys for sure. Um, Scarlet, I'd put Scarlet there as 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 four. And oh man, this is a tough, this is a tough one. I'm between, I'm between Burgess Becker. Cole, Cronkright. Uh, I'd say I'd say Burgess Becker, just because I think with him it's it's people are kind of forgetting about how good he is just because of the way that really came onto the scene this last season. But Burgess Becker is Becker is every bit as good as Ridley. Um, and when you get a kid, Burgess Becker is a guy who is willing to play on the defensive side of the ball. You know, a lot of times you get kids that are such highly rated recruits on the offensive side of the ball and have, have shown they can play at a high level and dominate on the offensive side of the ball that they don't want to play defense. But Burgess Becker is very willing to do so he, as far as playing safety. So that's another part of it that is that is added into the equation with him. Uh, so I'd say, again, I'll say it again, uh, Scarlett, Burgess yeah, Gibson, Burgess Becker, Ridley, and my fifth was Jaquan. Exactly. But yeah, that's a yeah. Yeah, I mean that's pretty much that's pretty much the five right there. Irvin Cronkright are close. Cole's close. It's it's a, such a good class. It's a, I mean 
you can't right. make and South I know that Florida. I'm, you know, making you uh, split hairs and everything, but that was another question that we got from Twitter. Uh, so, you know, being a man of my word, I said I would ask. Uh, we'd have the conversation. So, you know, don't shoot the messenger on that one. The other time that I put you on the spot, that was all me. This one came off of Twitter. I forget the person who added me with that, but thanks for your question. Hopefully you enjoyed the answer. Um, got a couple few minutes left. I think we have eight minutes left in our show right now. Uh, talk to me real quick about – I hate to talk about questions. Uh, Devontae Phillips, wide receiver, Miami Central High School, um, how, what's Miami looking like? People are asking about him. He's a great physical player. Where do we stand? Yeah, Miami. My, that's a kid that Miami has room to make up with, uh, just because of the fact that uh, Florida State has, has has definitely made a huge impression on him. He's very close to Dalvin Cook. I don't think my I don't think many Miami fans want to hear that name, but those two are very close. Um, He's a, he's a kid that that will play the game. You know, he's already been committed to Florida. Is he still committed to Florida? That's that. See, that's 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 the type of kid he is as far as recruiting goes. I don't even know if he's still committed to Florida. And even if he was, I don't think it'd make a difference. Uh, you know, I guarantee you there will be a point where he says Miami's leading for him. Uh, but I don't think he'll end up at Miami, and that's just a hunch from you know, talking to a few people who uh, have a good grasp of his situation. Um, you know, it's I, if you would have asked the same question about Stacey Coley when he was getting recruited, uh, you know, at, at this same time, his his recruiting class, no one, no one thought Stacey Coley was coming to Miami. Uh, so who knows? But as of now, I'd say I'd say no. That's that's not happening right now. Okay. And, you know, that's fair. So before people go, uh, you know, jumping off of bridges or, you know, screaming all about, you know, you're going to miss on some kids. Uh, I was talking about this in the 2014 class on Twitter with, you know, a bunch of journalists and other bloggers, you know, um, SBN Recruiting, Dieter Kurtenbach from the South Florida Sun Sentinel and others. Uh, last year there were 43 four-star and up players just in Miami-Dade, Palm Beach, and Broward counties. Um, so even if in our 27-person class we took only four stars enough from South Florida, there's still 16 kids who we would not have been able to take. So, um, you know, you're going to miss on some. It just happens like that. Uh, and, you know, maybe that happens with Devontae Phillips, but we'll see. Um, and so uh, somebody asked real quick, a lot of these guys that we've been mentioning are Miami leans or have talked favorably about Miami and say, you know, uh, we're in the conversation, or, you know, presumably if they were to commit today, they would commit to Miami. Is this a good thing that they are talking so highly but haven't pulled the trigger, or is that a bad thing at this point? Um, I I don't see it as a bad thing. Uh, I'd, I'd rather have to, them talking good about Miami, and have to make up ground, you know, uh, Obviously, you you always want a kid to commit earlier if if you can, but there's no negative in having someone talk publicly about your school, especially when recruiting has become such a world of uh, follow the leader. And at a certain point, a couple of these big-time names are going to commit early. Uh, we saw it last year with the summer role that you that you uh, mentioned. You know that that 
there was a stretch there for a couple of weeks that it just seemed like every day there was at least one commitment. It was ridiculous. And I think, I think something like that's going to happen with this class within the next month or so. Uh, maybe a little earlier than last year. But, okay. I, yeah, it, I don't see any negative to it. And, you know, um, a lot of people, you know, in marketing say there's no such thing as bad publicity, uh, and there's nothing bad anymore, uh, you know, being talked about with UM, uh, especially. I mean, yeah, we lost a couple games and, you know, some things like that, but no NCAA cloud or whatnot uh, that's been holding it up, so nothing really bad that we can talk about. So, you know, if, if players are saying, you know, Miami is in the conversation, one of my top schools, presumably, that's a great thing. Um, and so our last question is, uh, just really quickly, because we only got a couple minutes left, with the NCAA investigation, scandal, cloud, whatever, being alleviated and gone from the recruiting landscape, how have things changed for Al Golden and the staff? Well, you know, I, honestly, I don't, I don't think they had to deal with it that, that much last cycle either. There was enough time for them to, to get over that. But, um, you know, it's just they don't have questions as far as, you know, parents saying, you know, how bad is it going to be? Uh, other schools, other schools knowing that it wasn't going to be very bad, saying, oh, Miami might not go to a bowl next year and this and that. It just takes an unneeded hassle out of out of the the equation uh, because Miami was having to kind of defend themselves a lot rather than sell what they have. Um, so it definitely is going to be, but like it's going to be positive. But like I said, I I think that that should have been, you know, I think that was pretty much done with last cycle. You know, even before the news really came out, I think it was, I don't think it was as big of an issue as people were making it out to be. That's a you know a great thing that we don't have to deal with that, and we saw that we had a great pull in the 2014 class. Uh, so it looks like Al Golden uh, and company on the recruiting front are making great progress, uh, and hopefully we can continue that. Um, but that brings us to the end of our show and podcast today. Again, thank you to Peter Ayers from CanesInsight.com for joining me today. You can follow them at Peter Ayers on Twitter, at CanesInsight on Twitter, um, and also the Sam from the State of the U. Obviously, you can find us at the State of the U on Twitter. I'm Underwood Sports on Twitter. And always be sure that you go to stateoftheu.com. We have great content going up all the time. We have added tenants uh, in addition to our basketball, baseball, and football coverage. We always uh, keep it fan-sided, and we are very friendly over there. So be sure you join us. Thank you, Pete. I appreciate you joining me, brother. No problem. Go, JR. All right, so we'll see you guys next time, uh, and take care.